Welcome to the English Language Leaders. I'm Meeks. And I'm Bradley. And welcome to Episode 7. All right, everyone. Welcome back. We're super excited to um, tell you that we have started the school year. And man, oh man. It's been a lot. <laughs> it has been a lot. Uh, so today we're going to kind of talk about our experience just kind of dealing with the first few weeks of school. Um, and how we are helping our uh, English language students kind of navigate through our campus at Tiger High School. So Meeks, tell me, tell me some of your, uh, your highlights of your first week and what are you doing with your kids? Well, so when I start the school year, and I know it sounds crazy, I like to challenge myself to get to know my kids. Like every year, I'm like, okay, 180 kids, not as many this year, but um, I want to know all their names, like in two weeks. I want to be able to know their names, at least their first names. Um, so, you know, the name tense and all those things that we do to get to know them in the beginning. But I think that builds a big relationship, knowing that we know who they are. Um, and then I kind of feel like that part of the beginning of the school year is making sure that I know where they're at on campus. Like, what English teacher do they have? Yeah, so actually, um so I don't know if I have talked about it before, but I'm the EL coordinator on my campus. And so a lot of my first week is sitting with counselors and admin and saying, let's go through every single student, making sure that they're cohorted together, making sure that they have bilingual para-ed support, reaching out to teachers, like letting them know like who their, their aides are. It is hectic. <laughs> well, it's hectic too when you, think they're already ready like you know okay, so and so is a one so and so is a two we talked about that in a previous episode and then we look at like you know our flags and our paperwork and all of a sudden we realize oh someone needs to be their numbers need to be adjusted oh right so at the beginning so that's it I, I totally forgot about that but at the end of the school year is when they take their LPAC test which tells us the level that they are and obviously our counselors are trying to give them schedules before the summer starts based on that information based on that information <laughs> but then all of that all of that data on um, the levels changing and the reclassifications happen during the summer so at the beginning of the year sometimes some of the flags have been changed some of the times they haven't so i mean this year it was almost like two or three weeks in and we still had flags that were changing so we're like oh, yeah. oh so and so is supposed to be in this class and they need to be adjusted to go to this class and well, i mean the only i mean as much as frustrating as i think we felt at that time frame like going oh my goodness why didn't we already know the nice part was that i had met kids where i was able to tell them hey even though you reclassified congratulations you're still being monitored come back and talk to me like I told you you're not you're not alone just because you're out there in your English classes without ELD anymore doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself sure so yeah, if you need huge. help come back like you know who I, who I am now you know who Bradley is reach out I have extreme Saturdays like come get extra help come get tutoring see me after school um, so I think that was the nice part even though it felt chaotic in the moment it, it totally is. And I think that our uh, our school and our district does a really good job at, like, kind of knowing that, you know, that those flags change. So, you know, as soon as they're ha it's happening, it's very little time before we catch it and we can, like, adjust the schedules for kids. So I think, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> that we're set now, you know. Like, we're a few weeks in, and I think that everybody is set. Um, but we've still had a huge influx, like... 
even though everything kind of settled. <laughs> so that was my people. <laughs> so that's my next. So that is my next. Um, what I was gonna say is that you know we got everyone adjusted and settled, and um, you know the classes leveled, and then I don't know in the last three weeks I, I think six that six new kids. Six. At least six new kids because I have to update my list. Oh, so you've in your class like two threes Just and fours. Just kids coming in as two threes. Okay, and fours. so we're we're probably at at least. 10 to 15 total because you got a bunch of new oh kids. my gosh a ton yeah oh yeah but um i was kind of at the end the second semester last year i had over 25 brand new students start and i was like what is happening <laughs> like why are all these kids coming so I, I think it's been a pretty consistent um pretty consistently we have kids who are who are starting um our schools a lot of them with zero english proficiency oh yeah and um you know, I also, you know, last year I had a lot of students from Guatemala who, who were coming over. And this year I have my first Ecuadorian student, my first two Colombian students. I have uh, Guatemala is, is one of my biggest populations. Mexican is one of my biggest populations. But I also have a Hond uh, few Honduras students. So, I mean, it's not like... I love how you both look at the wall as if everyone can see us. <laughs> Bradley hangs flags in her room that represent all the kids who come from the different countries so that they can see themselves represented here in the classroom. So uh, we're just kind of looking across the room. Yeah, so I'm looking. Okay, I've got Honduras, Spain, Puerto Rico, Peru, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Mexico, Guatemala. So, yeah, we have um, – it's a huge mix, and I love that. I love that for us because then it, it – um, you know, when everybody's kind of from different places, then it's not a, oh, you know, I'm going to be with the kids who are from my country or, you mm -hmm. know, who can speak my language. Like, they really all are just like, we're all brand new and we all don't speak English. Like, we all need to help each other. And it's beautiful and they do a great job. Well, and it's a great way for building, like, we were talking about building, how do we build classroom community? And that's one of the ways that I know you do in your room is that that visual presence that they can say like oh I'm welcome here I belong here We're for sure here. yeah I have a huge uh, map on my wall and uh, each kid gets to put a little pin in in on the map where they're from and that alone gets them talking about like oh where are you from like oh I didn't know that you would like the, that's where my grandma lives or you know like can I come and visit your family and you know it's really cute it's it's great and yes I have a flag of every country's flag in the world in my room so it's and very it's, it's funny to see how we do things like building community is done so differently because this year like I do a silhouette activity with the kids because you know ELD two threes and fours they have a little bit more language and it's a visual it's an art activity so they can use pictures and words you know I, we challenge them to use you know nouns verbs and adjectives um, but also use symbols and it's about perspectives like how they see themselves how they feel other people see them how they want to be seen and um, we made we did an activity where I had them tell me like tell me something you wish people would know about you and in my room I have this list that says um, know that we are and it's their top like words that you know you might think that they're they're not trying hard or like we, we get a lot of different comments from people teachers, family, you know, what are the kids actually doing in the classroom? But I want, I'm more concerned with how they see themselves in the classroom because that's what I want to build from. And so when they see themselves as hard workers, whether that's in silence or in having tons of fun and chaos, because my classroom is usually like chaotic um, in a good way, it, it, I know that the underlying factors, they're, they're all still working hard. 
Right. Absolutely. Well, and I, that's such a great um, SEL strategy too, right? It's like self-awareness and uh, for all of you who are new to education or not teachers, SEL is social emotional learning, which is like a big push of like just being aware of your emotions and your own self and how you interact with others and like empathy and like understanding other people and where they come from. And I mean, and how that impacts your learning. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that project that you did. It was so insightful too, because a, a lot of the kids, you know, especially the ones who kind of fly under the radar and who, you know, aren't like loud and who mm -hmm. aren't chaotic, like you can really start to see like what's in their heart and how they want people to well, see them, which is so cute. It's a beautiful border in my classroom. Yeah. Like, every time they look up, they're like, oh, look, there's mine, there's mine. Like their names are on the front so that that way they don't feel like people will judge them. But at the same time, like you see them, they're very happy and full of pride. Back to school night, I, the few, I mean, didn't have a whole lot of kids come, but that's a whole nother, that's another episode, another discussion. Um, but they were happy to show their parents like oh that one's mine that one's oh mine. i love that so that's that so nice. cute yeah my um my uh country wall was it was a big hit at back to school night it, i think um i think there's a a misconception sometimes especially like living in california that all of our students are mexican oh yeah and i'm like oh, actually yeah, and, and it's funny too because they don't all come with spanish like no a not lot at of all kids yeah. come from small villages small areas where they're speaking a local native dialect it's not 100 percent, yeah well and i think too you know we have i mean even outside of um like south america i mean we have a student who is uh from the Philippines. We mm -hmm. have a student who is from, um, last year a student from Jordan just graduated. We have Lebanon. Mm -hmm. um, I had a Kurdistan, which I was like, I don't even know. I need to educate myself on that country because mm -hmm. I, it was, you know, so it's like, oh no, we have, we have a whole mix of different types of students. I'll have to say, I was, uh, I had a great conversation with um, one of my students who's from the Philippines and uh, she was saying, Miss Meeks, you know, um, I have pretty good English, but she goes, I speak Filipino. I said, oh, really? Do you speak Tagalog or Ilocano? And she looked at me like, you know the difference? <laughs> no, that was from years of teaching in Hawaii because yes. that was our biggest oh my influx gosh, that's of language. Awesome. So that was a great way to bond with students, too, It's just seeing them, acknowledging them. It was Tagalog, right? Uh, Tagalog, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I, we, we are working on building that community in our classrooms, which I think is going really well. Um, and, you know, I mean, aside from the 10 to 15 new kids that just came in. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, what has been interesting is the amount of teachers who are kind of freaking out because oh, they, that's right. you know, so for perspective, when I first started teaching ELD nine years ago, I had nine kids who were ELD ones. So remember ELD ones as students with almost no English language mm -hmm. proficiency. And as of today, <laughs> I think that we're at 50, like, 50 yes. level ones and I think that we have another 25 level twos oh yeah across the twos threes and fours there's 60 kids yeah so I mean so total yeah total we a have a hundred we're almost at 130 oh wow okay so of the 130 50 are ones mm -hmm. and then the next biggest population I think are the threes, threes and are then the twos yeah so, but our colleagues, um, you know, one of the things our district did this year is before if you're one or two or struggling, um, instead of being in a regular language arts class, we had what was called power reading. 
and it was kind of like a slower paced language arts class. There wasn't like novel studies like they have mm -hmm. in language arts class. It was very focused on like grammar and like the Fluency. beginning steps of like writing, like, you know, let's write good sentences and paragraphs before we can write an essay and like working on fluency and working on um, developing vocabulary. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So all of those things, well, um, kind of the research has told us like any student in any capacity, a double math, double English is not so good for them. Yeah, it doesn't I've help. I've been in districts with double maps. <laughs> so yeah. So um, <laughs> so we got rid of the power reading two class, which a lot of our level twos and struggling kids were in, and we only have the language arts class for the ones, mm -hmm. and which that's kind of created panic at the beginning because all of a sudden teachers who weren't used to having our level twos in their English classes had them there, and so that was you know some of the kids kind of were naturally or I don't even know if we did it strategically or not, but that were together in the same period with an English teacher. Yeah, that's definitely intentional. Which is nice because then the kids, that makes it easier for us to put out, push out our bilingual paras and bilingual support. Or Absolutely, even like on yeah. my prep, I can go visit a group like, oh, you're in this class together. Let me see what I can do to help suggest strategies or what's working with the students. Um, but I think that was the hardest part. So when we talked about like that classroom community, it's stretching our community out to our department as well right yeah. like letting them know like this is who's in your class and this is the level that they're at um so i got a lot of feedback um appreciation because the the list that i made i went through i asked all the kids who do you have for english okay and one that's great for the kids because if they feel like they're by themselves in a class and they realize one of their classmates has the same teacher just in a different period all of a sudden it's like oh we can work on the assignment together sure so yeah that was great for them but it was also great for the teachers to know who's in their class yeah and I think that I you know we we offer bilingual paraeducators in our district but it's not a it's not mandatory it's not something mm -hmm. that we have to do it's something that we do because we know that it's good for kids um, you know and it just so happens that two of them are out you know for a few weeks and it's like um, it was interesting because I was talking um, kind of on this subject, and it was like, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the teachers who've been teaching for a long time didn't necessarily go through their credential program knowing how to support EL students. Very true. And a lot of teachers who did, don't necessarily like remember all of those strategies. So there's been a lot more people asking. Um, how can I help this student? Mm -hmm. What are some strategies that I can use? And now that we have technology too, like there's so many good like tech uh, options to help the kids. And I think that's probably gonna be our next step now that things are kind of calming down is like supporting teachers, supporting kids. Oh, that, yeah, and then that's one thing that we also noticed is that there's a lot more training coming from programs specifically with trainings for ELD, right? So if we're gonna do, if we're gonna offer um, a particular class like our ERWC, right? They have an ELD strand that you can actually have teachers say, okay, I've been teaching this for a while, but I need a refresher, right? What, what can I do with curriculum I'm used to teaching, but now for my growing population of EL students in the classroom? For sure, and I, I think, um, I mean, I've had some new teachers, I mean, people who just came out of the credential program who've been like, help, <laughs> and it's like, you know, because in, it's, you know, in theory, in theory you know, totally you, you know what you're doing and then you're in there and you realize, oh my gosh, like I can't even ask the kid like a simple question and have them understand me. And, you know, the some of those strategies like, you know, using Google, Google Translate or using like these different apps isn't necessarily something that they oh, learned I, how to use in their credential I'm program. Thinking, I, so 
I taught ELD and I did not know and I walked into Bradley's room the other day and I thought oh my goodness I wish I knew this um, I kind of fall back on the fact that I am bilingual so I can talk to the kids in Spanish if they can communicate that way but you had you were talking to the kids in English and on your smart TV was like the text in Spanish and I thought wait that is so cool <laughs> like the kids can read along and try to figure out what she's saying and again that it's all based on like their literacy in the language but to have that as an option well and I noticed like because I do have some students who you know have very low literacy and they can't read that quickly in Spanish but if the if somebody at their table can mm -hmm. then they start helping each other and again it's that classroom community it's like oh I'm not gonna let you fall behind just because you can't read as fast as I exactly. can exactly um, but that that type of technology you know I think that um, the conversation I have the most with people when they talk about um, being an ELD teacher who doesn't speak Spanish mm -hmm. um, is always the first thing I say is we're just used to using language as the main way that we communicate, but there's thousands of ways to communicate. With Gestures, images. For <laughs> <So> sure, <much. laughs> for sure. And even, uh, you know, my students will bring up, you know, come up to me with their phone and they put on their Google Translate, which you can talk into, mm -hmm. you know, and then it translates. So, um, yeah, you know, we just, we make it work and now they have all of these strategies so they can practice with me and then when they're going into their other classes, they feel comfortable using the technology and they feel comfortable being able to like ask questions or advocate for themselves, especially when we have bilingual aides who are, you know, gone well, for the day that or whatever. resource of seeing them strong in our classes and building them up and seeing them take it to their other classes with them, like that other extension of community. I was just talking to one of our teachers in the hallway and she was praising one of her students that was coming down because he is truly bilingual in English and in Spanish. And so he stands up as a leader and he helps his class and he has no problem translating for his teacher so that everybody understands um, because she has one of those cohorts in her classroom. And I thought that's yeah. great. Well, and I, you know, it's like sometimes we have to be careful because like a lot of, you know, teachers can't just say, oh, you speak Spanish, now this is your responsibility. Oh, that's misleading. Because like <laughs> yeah. that, because, you know, yeah. then that student's like, wait, I'm here to like, you know, learn the content, but now like I have this responsibility. But I think what is so powerful is the amount of students who are like, oh, I can do it, let me yeah, do it. Like they want it. to, like they're, yeah. they are leaders and they're like, this is something that I can. Well, and I would say that would be the difference in building community is asking for those kids who want that responsibility sure, yeah. versus uh, and then and also double checking like I had a student the other day who was like yeah my teacher asked if someone was bilingual and paired me up but when we started sitting together he didn't have enough Spanish to explain to me so sure, sometimes yeah. it's a trial and error kind of thing but it's I think the kids like to see us trying which is important that they matter enough that we're going to keep trying to find a solution and that helps build that community sure too. that's all I mean so we do right <laughs> like unless all kids are getting it then you know, where there's a something, a disservice that's happening, you know, whether it's an ELD student or a student on a 504 or a student with an IEP, like, uh, you know, if not all of your kids are getting it and they want to get it, then we just have to be responsible to figure out, like, how, how are we going to give it to them? Yeah, and I think part of it is, um, you know, on, back on the teacher side is, you know, using what we know to reach out to our teachers and departments. Because I have had those conversations with teachers who are like, well, I don't want to assume and I don't want to, you know, make them feel bad. Or So when I can tell the kids, like, hey, I'm going to have a conversation with you here about, you know, what level you're in, what teachers you have. And I'm going to send them a list and I'm going to let them know who you are. That way, 
Um, and that was one of the things I'll you know, probably touch more on it next episode, but um, how do you keep it all straight, right? I used to keep the numbers on my roster, so I'm like, okay, who's a two, who's a three, who's a four? That way I know how to differentiate for them. Um, but for teachers, um, we just finished their diagnostics, and so now we have Lexile levels because there were Super teachers helpful, who yeah. were reaching out to me about, you know, I we're reading this book, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it's going to be too high for them or they're doing SSR, how do I help them pick something in our genre or our topic, but that's at a level that they can access? And so adding those Lexile levels to that list um, will definitely help those teachers, but not just our English teachers. If they're reading in history or in science and they're doing a research or report, um, the kids knowing, the teachers knowing, you know, don't just hand a kid um, a magazine that's for like college, um, they can still read about the topic, but maybe at their level instead. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I think having a lexile of a kit is probably one of the most important information because so much of every subject is reading, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we are at the end. Already? Wow. We we were have enough to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are going to be uh, back next time with our first guest speaker, which oh, I'm super yes. excited about. And we'll Another keep, perspective. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep you all in uh, suspense until next time. And, um, yeah, uh, next next week we're going to talk about kind of, um, you know, the, the first steps when you are trying to help ELD students and what that looks like in their schedules and what that looks like with their families and what that looks like as a teacher, as or, a an teacher or an admin or a bilingual para-ed. Um, so it was great being back and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining the English Language Leaders. I'm Meeks. And I'm Bradley. Until next time, au revoir. Au revoir.